Hey everyone, welcome back to Megan's Old Office here at Dundee Presbyterian Church in Omaha, Nebraska. My name is J.D. Gorlett. I'm the senior pastor here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. And I say welcome back to Keith Holmes, our director of Children's and Family Ministry. Keith, how are we doing today, man? Uh, uh, I'm just doing up, fine. Man. Yeah. No, I'm just being slothful. You're being slothful. Yeah. How, what a wonderful... <laughs> I didn't see you... That wasn't part of the plan. That, that wasn't at all You're planned out. You're living. Yeah. Uh, we're uh, talking about the seven deadly sins because it is the season of Lent. Uh, and, you know, it's important to talk about sin so that we can get prepared for the event of Easter, the reasons that we're essentially talking about the sins that caused the, and led our, our Lord to go to the cross in our place, aren't we? Absolutely. I, I And I know it's attributed to Jonathan Edwards, but it is my current favorite saying of all time. <laughs> and, and during Lent, it is exactly what we should be thinking, and that is the only thing you contribute to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. Yeah, that's what we're... Yeah. I love that saying. Yeah, I think I'm, there's a t-shirt that I'm going to get for you. Yes, that please do. I think because the fact of the matter is, and this is the perfect time of year to be thinking about it, because yeah, otherwise Easter, it may as well be about a bunny that lays eggs, for crying out Unless loud. Unless we talk about these things. Exactly. So as we prepare for it, let's be prepared to say, yeah, I'm sinful and I needed a Savior to do this. And don't get the wrong idea. We're not here at Dundee or at Megan's old office wanting you just to drag around under the sheer weight of your sin. We just want to talk about the different ways that sin sneaks up on us mm-hmm. destro- and then destroys our and even kills our relationships with our with our Lord and with others, and and so that we can come to Good Friday and Easter and and receive what Christ does with a new perspective and a new appreciation. That's the idea here. So we've yep. been we've in previous episodes here during our Lenten series, we've talked about pride and we've talked about wrath and we what would we talk gluttony. about? We talked about gluttony. Today we're going to be talking about sloth, which just I just love the word sloth. Yeah, uh, it just makes you, and gives it, you image, conjures images yeah, up. And let me ask you this, and everybody listening, I want you to be thinking about this. Keith, I'm going to ask you this, but I want everybody to be thinking in their own right about uh, about this in their own lives. What would you, if I asked you what was your most difficult accomplishment of your life, mm-hmm. what would you say? What's the most difficult accomplishment? Um, knowing the content of everything, I immediately go to getting my black belt in Taekwondo. Really? Be- yeah, because I I went through the early ranks. I had a good friend who who worked with it. We worked together with it, and we got through the first four levels of the school that we were attending in less than a year. We just so that boom, was boom, not boom. that hard. Those weren't. I mean, hard. Just, you're saying it didn't just go that quickly. It, that was pretty easy. It was okay. easy because we worked at it. We spurred one another on, and then li- our lives kind of diverged a wee bit. And we, you know, we met up and practiced occasionally. So the next few levels were were hard. Then I got to the level just below black belt, and my first testing, I broke my toe in a you know, just before testing. So I missed breaking a board. And Mm. so I failed and everybody was amazed and shocked that I missed and was like, wow, that's just amazing. You didn't, didn't break a board. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, and so that wasn't too bad. I was still, you know, I was like, I'm going to do this. The second time I tested our, our grandmaster got angry at us 
and failed everybody out of hand. <laughs> he was he just, just he, he was, was in a bad mood. He was exactly he was in a bad mood. Something so out of the karate kid I uh, mean, he, dojo he, thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, there were four of us, four or five of us testing, and something in him snapped at us and he just said, Okay, you get up on the you get up and prepare. No, you're not even standing in the right stance. You fail, you can't test. And he went through five of us in two minutes and all of us had failed. And now I'm faced with the arbitrary disposition of the man testing us, just being in a bad mood, failing me. Nothing I did, I was ready and prepared, and it was nothing I did that failed me at that moment. How am I going to react? Right. Am I going to give gonna up? Keep coming? Am I going to keep it up? Am I going to keep pushing through? And man, what a time that was. It took me three years from acquiring the belt below black belt to black belt, three years before I got my black belt. And you could have quit. At any moment. I, and there were plenty of times and I Maybe it made, made sense for you at several places to quit. Exactly. For me, the question is, what's your most difficult yeah. accomplishment? Um, uh, I, you know, Being a minister, I went to seminary. I have a master's in divinity. The first class in seminary uh, in, in getting that degree took three years, but the first class mm-hmm. was Greek. And and you took Greek. You had to learn how to read uh, Greek and translate Greek. And so that went on for a whole year, right? Oh, yeah. The first thing the first you class, did. The first class I walk into is Greek, and we have to take Greek for the entire year. And that phrase, it's Greek to me. Yeah, no, that's accurate. Yeah. Greek is is hard. It is it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, my Keith, gosh. we started that night, that first night, with 36 people in the class. Uh-huh. When we were done, there were six of us left. Thirty people just quit, failed, quit, walked did, away. Right, and 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 the six of us who finished had this incredible sense of accomplishment. I certainly did, and certainly do, because it was incredibly difficult. But I'm also, wow. also left with the reality that I'm probably out of my mind first. First, hanging in, you know, it was. A, but I'm very no, proud of that. No, you like, should be. You're no, not out of your mind. I, oh my I, gosh! It'd why, be why? Why? Well, I can I tell that? you what. I'll I'll bet you ten to one. Those thirty people that walked away are sad because they didn't hang hang with it. I, I mean, my first class in seminary was hermeneutics, and I couldn't get enough of it. Right. I was like, could we do this all year long? Well, I had and those so... classes in seminary, but the most well, difficult yeah. accomp- But I mean, your very first class, and right. to be, I mean, that's like really like walking into a wall. You oh. you open the door and walk right into a wall. There's, there's no way to, uh, oh my gosh. And it was terrible every step of the way. We had a lousy teacher that wasn't really concerned, kind of like what you are experiencing. I mean, a teacher makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And sometimes you can have a great uh, a teacher, and the accomplishment can still be incredibly di- uh, difficult. Uh, some accomplishments are difficult by nature. I mean, you can have a great Sherpa going all the way up Everest, and yeah. it's ju- it, that's just going to be difficult no matter yeah. what. Uh, but if you're going to make that accomplishment, there can't be any sloth in you at all. Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about. So what is the technical the definition of sloth? Because, you know, most of us think, oh, I'm just laying on the couch being slothful. I, exactly. I think yeah. that there's a misconception with the word sloth. It, it, to me, it, right, it, it conjures up images of wasting time on the couch and w- running the remote, being lazy. It's not the same thing. A, a definition of sloth would be just to be careless, a carelessness. Uh, to neglect something more than to neglect someone. Uh, to be slothful means to uh, have spiritual and emotional indifference, to be apathetic. In other words, to just simply 
flat out not care. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be uh, slothly, if that's a word, Ooh, to have sloth. It is now. It is now. Is to fail to utilize everything that God's given to you. When you and I had those opportunities to learn Greek and to get our black belt, we had an opportunity. Did we fully utilize it? Yeah. Did yeah. it take us a while? Were there t- times when we could have con- quit? The, were there other situations that in that we did quit? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yes to all of us. In those case, in these two cases, we didn't quit. We didn't succumb to slothliness, yep. if that's a word. Um, and I'm I'm happy, and I know you are too. But there are many other con- other examples of. Well, like I said, did. those thirty those thirty people in, uh, that dropped out of your Greek class, you were one of them at one point in time in your life, else. and in something else, it, and say, absolutely, and, and I was too. And I, I mean, I think you know immediately what comes to mind is I can't play the saxophone, and I played the saxophone when I was in middle school, and now I wish I'd have stuck with it, you know, but I I just gave up. As I soon can't as make I didn't four foot to. putts, and I'm not really interested in trying. So there you well, go. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's other reasons why you can't make putts. Well, what do you have? Yeah, right. What do you? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, that's for well, another show. Yeah, exactly. What do you got for us today? Along the so, lines of sloth. So the, the, along now, the lines, me, yep. you know, it's the seven. It's one of the seven deadly sins. This yep. is one of the, the 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 serious sins that really affect our relationship with God. So, what what do you got queued up for us? On that? We've got we, and and it's going to be an interesting passage because some people are going to argue this. Some people are going to say, "Now, wait a minute, Keith and JD, you're being awfully hard right. on the disciples." But we're going to take a look at Mark fourteen, uh, verses thirty two. To forty-two. All right, we're going to look at the time in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay. All right. So here we go. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, "Sit here while I pray." He took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be distressed and agitated, and said to them, "I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here, and keep awake." And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you are all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not that I what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough! The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, what do you think Jesus expected the disciples to do? Yeah, that's an easy... You know, on one level, that's a really easy question to answer. Mm -hmm. He expected them to stay awake. Let's get that out of the way. Right, right. Check. Your question is great. Let's because let's just keep asking it and see yeah. what we come up with. First right. answer: Well, Jesus expected him to stay awake. This is the moment right before he's arrested, right before he's going to be put on trial, right before 
in the wee hours of the morning, right before he's going to be uh, crucified yep. uh, on Friday. Uh, this is early Friday morning, and he, he, what does he expect? He expects them to stay awake. Let's ask it again. He expe- what does Jesus expect? He expects them to care yeah. about what he's going through. Uh, he expects them to recognize the gravity of the moment. Yeah. He expects them to appreciate the the and empathize with the suffering that he is going that he's experiencing. Yeah. Uh, he, I think, Jesus is expecting them for just or hoping that uh, for just one moment they would stop uh, thinking only about their own situation and what they're immediately feeling. Uh, what their flesh is immediately desiring, that which is sleep, mm-hmm. and and to care about what he's facing, what he's going through. Are they tired? Of course, they're tired. Mm-hmm. Their bodies are tired. Their bodies desire sleep. What is he expecting? Jesus is expecting that they're going to rise above that immediately immediate uh, uh, bodily desire. Mm-hmm. Set that aside and do whatever it is that they possibly can just to stay awake and pray. He's not asking for too much other than to set aside this very strong desire for sleep in the name of love. I think it shows, it shows his desire for them to, and, and again, as we look back at that definition, you said to, to shake off their apathy because they don't have to understand what he understands. Jesus knows he's going, I mean, he says this at the end, look, here it is. I've told you, you know, and you could almost hear him say, I've told you three times previously to this, that this is going to happen. And it's finally here. All you had to do was empathize with me. Just be my friends and stay awake and pray with me. I ask you to pray and you fall asleep. You, they, you know, and we could say, well, they just didn't understand Keith. You know what? It doesn't take us to understand. If if someone says, "Hey Keith, can you come and help me do this?" Don't ask questions. Well, I mean, short of you know this not being rob a bank or bury a body, right, right, you know, right. I'm going to be like, yeah, I I don't need to know. You know, you do it at times of prayer here at Dundee Presbyterian Church. We ask for you know ask congregants and, and members, you know, what what are some of the names of people in situations that we need to be praying for. Um, but you don't have to tell the story. Right. And, and and that that shows that we don't have to know what you're going through. We just need to, we just need to know that you need prayer. Am I willing to this is a great point that you're making. Uh am I willing to obey God right. without knowing everything that's going on? Am I willing to 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 do what Jesus wants? Just simply because it's Jesus and because Jesus is my friend. Right. Are we willing to do that for anybody? Yeah. Uh, and perhaps we're not. Shame on, shame on us. Just stay awake and pray. Do we need to know the reason why? No, we need to just simply be devoted and focused in on the task. On our not friendship say, and on the love that we have for one another. Not, I'm not saying that we're, we're just called to be unthinking automatron right. morons here. Right. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, uh, you know, do we have a love for Christ so much as to just simply you're told. Right. Just do just obey me one for for an hour. Trust me, this is going to turn out okay. If you really believe I'm the Messiah and I'm the son of God, then you you, you know it's going to be okay. Just stay awake. Think about the fact that in this moment, Keith, Jesus it would have been very meaningful to Jesus just for us to stay awake and pray. That's yep. all. That's it. That not to take away the cross 
not to do anything for him or to buy him anything or, or this, that, or the other, uh, or to, you know, uh, hide him away from his enemies. Right. All I want you to do is stay awake. And, <laughs> and it would have been very meaningful to him. But it's interesting to speculate the main problem here. Uh, you know, we can sit here and say, well, they fell asleep. Mm-hmm. They, they, they failed. They, they fell asleep. What's the main problem? Well, they're tired. Okay, no. I don't think that's I'm enough. sorry. I'm, I've been tired, and I've done things I wanted to do Absolutely. and work and pushed through. Absolutely. I once, uh, I once uh, if, uh, took a dose of NyQuil, and all my friends, uh, this was back in college, took a do- dose of NyQuil. All my friends said, uh, and we were 300 miles away from home, and they said, uh, yeah, J.D., there's a storm moving, and we're leaving right now. And I drove 300 300- with drink I after drinking NyQuil. A of NyQuil. Oh my yeah, gosh. Exactly. It's the middle you, of the night, and I'm like, You do yeah, what you, you want do. What you to gotta do. do. Um, that's comical, but yeah. it, it, uh, it may be a little <laughs> bit frightening. But yes. what's the main problem? It's also the, the, showing you God's grace in your yeah, life. Yeah, that was when I was 21 protection. years old, so I was, it was superhuman back then, but uh, not anymore. What is so, the main problem? The problem is the flesh and their yeah. unwillingness to, to, to overcome the flesh. Right. It, you know? it's they don't want to do what they don't understand it's an easy cop out to say well i was tired lord it's the middle of the night it's four o'clock in the morning what do you want me what do you want of me but it's like all i want you to do is stay awake and and, and show i don't even know if it was to show me you love me it's just help me carry this burden you you don't have to know what the burden is you don't have to know what's going on just i've asked you to do this why can't and they're like oh well i'm really tired god and you're right it's that apathetic you know reasoning of the flesh it's just I can't do it. This is a common theme of what we've been talking about for this Lenten series, isn't it? I mean, it's an interesting. I don't know about you, but it, 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 I've noticed how just about every one of these discussions—pride, uh, you know, gluttony, uh, sloth, uh, wrath—all of these discussions and more come back to the powerful voice of the flesh. Yep. And the Scripture keeps telling us that the flesh is weak. Yes. Uh, Jesus declares the flesh counts for nothing at one point. It, it, it counts for absolutely nothing at all. Right. Uh, in, in the book of John, uh, he says this, and the flesh is weak. And, and Paul, the apostle, uh, makes a discussion, uh, a thorough discussion of the power, the weakness of the flesh, the limits of the flesh in the book of Romans. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, all of these discussions about the seven deadly sins, and all of our discussions with the intention of getting ready for Easter and receiving the gifts of Easter and the gifts of, uh, of Good Friday and Easter, it, they keep coming back to the fact that we occupy the flesh, we're made of the flesh, and yet we're not we're called to rise above this. Yep. And how unwilling we are to rise above the desires of the flesh, whether it be for food, whether they be for power, whether they be for security. In this case, uh, the, the desire of the flesh is just to sleep. Yep. And how often all of us, not just the disciples here, but all of us are just simply unwilling to, to recognize that need to rise above it in order to be right with God. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Absolutely. One of the things that's interesting, Keith, is, I don't know, if have you ever fasted before? Yes. And, and, and so the, the, the discipline, the spiritual discipline of fasting, which, which some Christians do, I don't yeah. think nearly enough do we, do we take time to fast, but that's a self-inflicted moment uh, or time, a period of time where we go without food yep. to get, I think, in touch with that power of the flesh, right? right. And, and to, yep. re- to be reminded of the fact that we are more than just 
uh, our appetites and our desi- our immediate yeah. desires, right? And, yep. and that's really what's what's at play here in this story. Absolutely. I mean, I I I you know I have often said maybe I was too young in my walk with Christ at the time that I started fasting because you know I I just thought about food. You know, as soon as I took away food and I tried to fast from food, that's all I could think of. And it's like, well, no, you're not supposed to think of that. So I completely understand and identify with the disciples in this story, right? All I want to do is sleep. And you've asked me not to. Now all I want to do is sleep. <laughs> hey, right? Keith, don't think of pink elephants. Exactly. Uh, right? And that's exactly it. Yeah. Don't think of this, and that's immediately what you that's want all to. I can do. But <laughs> but again, it just shows you the appetite, the strength of the appetites of the flesh. And the apathy, and I, I really keyed into that word in that definition, that that self-centeredness, that 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 idea that we're we're careless with others, we're we're neglectful of others, and that's sloth. It's not laying on the couch. You know, on a Sunday afternoon, I don't think I'm slothful when I'm laying on the couch watching a little football after a good morning of taking care of the kids, running around talking to right. people, you know, working with the adult groups and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, God, this is the time you've given me to do that. But if he said, Keith, I want you to, uh, you know, and there's a time coming where I'm going to have to do spend a few Sunday afternoons not in rest, but dealing with other things in my life, some personal things that I have to get done, and the time to do them is a Sunday afternoon. Right, and I'm going to have to give up. I'm going to have to fight through my apathy and my and my 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 feelings of. But this is when I'm supposed to nap. And great point. That's yeah. a great point. I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, I, I'm inclined to say, you know, I'm not slothful at all mm-hmm. when it's Sunday afternoon. Uh, right. That's a good example. Right. And it's time. Uh, and I'm free to be on the couch, uh, maybe taking a nap right. as I fade away to another boring NFL football game yeah, yeah. or a PGA Tour event. Uh, Those aren't as boring. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, you know, I'm not being slothful there, but I, no. but I, I am being very slothful, or I'm very susceptible to be the slothful, not in my least active times, but in my most active times. Am I slothful in a conversation with someone? That, that at church or wherever that mm-hmm. comes at an inconvenient time for me. Yeah. Am I slothful uh, as I am putting together sermon, putting together Bible study, going to the hospital for a visit? Am I slothful uh, in in a very active time? In other words, am I being neglectful? Uh, am I being unattentive? Am I being indifferent? Because this is what it means to be slothful. Yeah. The answer is yes. You know, I quite often say the difference between good ministry and bad ministry quite often is just five extra minutes yep. spent really attending to someone else's needs other than your own. Mm-hmm. And I'm guilty of not doing that. Am I being slothful? Does it look like I'm being slothful? No, but I am because I'm not putting in that extra five minutes or, or ten or extra effort, yeah. that extra sincere concern and love, uh, taking the time not just to do something but to do it well. Right. Uh, and, right. And so uh, I really am thankful to you to for bringing that up. Now, I want to ask you a question. So get, get thyself ready here. Oh, okay. Yep. You, you know what's coming. Oh, uh, when he goes so, KJV on me. Again, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Um so Jesus gives you the command, Keith, you're one of the disciples, all of you listening, I, all of us, we're one of the disciples, and Jesus says, you know, uh, you know, Keith, I want you to stay awake, stay awake with me for one hour and pray. Okay, this is the command. He says that to you. What should you do? You're tired. You're, right. you're exhausted. Right. 
You don't have any caffeine. There's no Starbucks around at all, okay? Right. You're exhausted. You've had a full day. Uh, you're very stressed, distressed. Stay awake one hour and pray with me. This is the last thing you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, this is what Jesus tells you. What should you do to be successful? What should they have done to stay awake? What should they... Let's make a list. Okay. Well, first off, the immediate physical, just stand up, right? <laughs> Leaning don't, against the tree. Don't right. stand... Don't sit down or lay down because... And to pray. I mean, you know, I tell the kids that all the time. I say, do you have to... You know, when I... Because one of the things I do with the kids is bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes. Right. That is to bring us into more concentrated effort of praying. But, you know, do we have to do that every time we pray? No. I you know, often say when I'm driving down, the, driving down the street and I'm praying, and again, if you've listened to our wrath episode, you know what I'm praying is, Lord, help me. Um, keep but me from, <laughs> keep doing, me from running these people off the road. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so there I am. I say, well, if I'm driving down the road, guys, do I, do I need to bow my head, close my, close my eyes and, you know, fold my hands? Like, oh, the steering wheel? And it, no, the answer is no. So stand up. Just simply stand up. Yeah. Don't don't sit down to pray. Don't get down on your knees to pray. What do they have to do to be successful? It's pretty simple. Get up. Move around. Move around. Uh, but more than that, more deeply than now, that. Now, here we go. Let's get deeper. Right. Take it seriously. Well, and, and stop thinking about yourself. Again when, again, when I talked about when I went fasting, when I went fasting, all I did was start thinking about food. When I'm told to stay awake, don't think about sleep then. Tr- right. y- you can do it. Right. Maybe not on your own. Maybe you need to, the first thing you need to say is, God, help. But they don't, and we don't, because we don't recognize the gravity of, and the importance of the situation. Exactly. Because it doesn't have to do with us. Right. It's it, not it my problem. With, this is in, in so many ways, Keith, this is one of the most personal moments in Scripture. Stay awake and pray with me. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, yep. God incarnate saying, stay awake and pray for me. Pray for me, pray with me. Yep. If there's a more personal moment in Scripture than this, it's hard to beat it, uh, and, and, yeah. and, and we won't do it. Why? Because we're tired, yes, but also because we just don't, we simply don't take the time to recognize how important it is to God. It begs the question of how many things, how many conversations do we have with other people, how many tasks, how many callings, how many things do we have that are more important to Christ than they are to us, and we just don't do them, or we don't do them well simply because we don't recognize how, they are, how important they are right. well, I'm gonna, to Christ. I'm going to turn this around on you. How do you feel when you ask someone to do it and they treat you apathetically, they treat you slothfully. And then, really to the meat and potatoes of it, how, do you, how did Jesus feel yeah. when these guys, when he, when he asked, stay awake, and he finds them sleeping? Yeah, and I know the answer to that question, don't I? And so do you, yeah. because we've experienced that, right? Exactly I mean, right. it's a great question. I mean, how does Jesus feel when he comes back? That is, that is an essential question, because this is a very deeply personal moment. And they choose to to they choose sloth, uh, they choose to satisfy their appetites. How do they feel? Well, we know the answer to that because we felt we we've experienced that. You've asked me, I've asked you, uh, as friends, we we've had people in our lives. We uh, stay awake, uh, be with me, right. uh, or maybe we haven't. Maybe we expected them to to read our minds or just to recognize the look on our face uh, that we need. We need ministry here. We need support here, and they haven't come through. Mm-hmm. It is a feeling of 
of complete aloneness, I would think, for, right. for Jesus. It is a... It is a abandonment. Abandonment. Disillusionment. Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't that's expect, a big one, yeah. I don't expect anything from you 12, but I, it, it, this is a bare minimum, and you couldn't even do that. Well, it, and he's talking to his three... Because they came apart from right. him. Good point. So he doesn't even ask him. The other, the other nine, nine are sound asleep. Sli- right. Well, eight because Judas is off. Oh, that's right. So yeah. the other eight are laying there, kind of going, "Well, the big three got it. I'm just going to nap now." Right. You know, they're not even in it, and they were allowed to do that. Yeah, but those three. So and 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 interestingly, now that I I say that out loud, it's like, well, man, what would that? The compulsion for for Peter and John and James to say, "Yeah, well, the other eight are asleep." Jesus, why aren't you yelling at them to be praying? They didn't. Re- they did not recognize what an honor it was to be pushed this much more. Right. They, they, they were under the assumption that the eight, the other eight had a break because they got to sleep on the ground freely. Right. And and we do we do the same thing. Yeah. God God wants us to do this much more, and we, rec- we, we receive it as if it's some kind of a burden or inconvenience. And, and, and I, I, I'm not even, I'm sorry, I'm not even listening because this epiphany again, what came up to mind. I'm thinking James and John, they're the ones that said, God, can I, you know, Jesus, can I sit on your right and your left when, when, I get it, when, you, get, when you come into your kingdom? They wanted all the perks, but they were so self-centered and apathetic and, and just care less about they could care less about what Jesus wanted them to do in this private in in real terms in when this it really moment. matter that you're exactly right and Peter was of course susceptible to that too well, so sure it's, it's Peter James and John right who are the three most likely to want the best and then also not recognize what it means what they had to give what to they get needed it. to do and right. to appreciate yeah. it's a really an interesting thing to think about as Christians. How does Jesus feel? You yeah. know, in how, any given moment, right? How how does Jesus feel? That is such an important by. How do I make him feel by the choices that I make, the yep. things I say, and the things that I don't do? How yep. does that affect him? I love the fact that it does affect him. Amen. He's he's a, he was a, he was a human like us as well as God. He was God in the flesh. He wrapped himself up in on this in, in this imperfect garment of, right. of humanity. And and was like saying, he understood, but at the same time, he felt what we feel, and that abandon. I love how you said that. That that sense of aloneness. Right. I mean, even more than abandonment, even disillusionment. He was alone. Yeah, and that's a horrible, especially to an extrovert like me. That is just right. a horrible feeling. And he feels this because he's human. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has humanity, but he feels this because he cares. And it, yep. He and that, that's that's he the, that's the godhood in him saying, "I care enough to do right. what I'm about to do for you." Right, and it hurts. Yeah, yeah. good stuff uh, to recognize the effect of our sin. In this case, the effect of sloth, the existence and its power in our lives. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Keith. Thank you. Thanks for having us along, and thanks for everybody else out there listening. Yeah, and we'll be back uh, with you uh, next week with another episode from Megan's old office. We'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Megan's Old Office, brought to you by Dundee Presbyterian Church. Please like, subscribe, and share so you and your friends can keep up with us every time we post. You can learn more about us and our church at dpcomaha.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 
DPC Omaha or on Instagram at Megan's Old Office. You can contact us through email at Megan's Old Office at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. We truly appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.